Welcome to the Indie Brand Builder Podcast, where successful entrepreneurs and industry experts get real about what it takes to build a seven-figure product brand with your host, Jeremy Robinson. I'm excited to introduce you to Catherine Choi, who is the founder and president of So Young, which is a line of eco-friendly bags for families, which includes lunch boxes, cooler bags, backpacks, and diaper bags made from natural fabrics. Since starting the brand nearly 10 years ago, Catherine has grown So Young into a seven-figure business with products that are sold all over the world, including about 500 North American retailers. So Young's products have been featured in Oprah Magazine, Martha Stewart Living, People Magazine, and on U.S. cable shows like The Today Show and The View. So Catherine is also my wife and now partner in So Young. I joined the business full-time in 2014 after she'd successfully established the brand and just needed some help taking the business to the next level. But at one point, Catherine was as unlikely an entrepreneur as you'll find, and she's here to share her journey with us today. So I'm very pleased to have on the show today my wife and the founder of So Young, Catherine Choi. Welcome. Thank you. So I've given a little background, but I'd just like you to tell us about your journey in your own words, starting with uh, really the idea and the inspiration for the original products. Well, before the idea was a period of uncertainty and change for me career-wise. Um, I had a background that landed me in the financial industry um, that I had never felt fulfilled and really didn't have any other skills that I felt were transferable to anything else other than starting at the bottom. And it was really only after doing some searching, um, soul searching, and I did some things like studying shiatsu with a Zen Buddhist. And, you know, I practiced shiatsu for a while and I thought maybe I'll work at a spa and do shiatsu and that wasn't fitting. and. Anyways, I ended up getting married and having my first child. And while having our first child was a momentous experience, um, the other side of that was being introduced to the world of all the things that you need to bring with you when you have a child. And I was spinning around in my head, what am I going to do with my life, you know, after, after the first year, uh, once I have to go back to work, and I really couldn't envision going back to work for someone else. And one day I was sitting um, on a park bench and I had just purchased this bag that I was happy with because I had found myself in a scenario of holding my baby in one arm. And I had a bag that I used as a diaper bag, but it wasn't actually a diaper bag. It was just a regular bag that I had all my stuff in. And um, it was one of those Groundhog Day experiences where every single time I got to the car or I got to the front door of our apartment, I was holding my baby and he was squirming or crying and I was trying to find my keys and it was always down at the bottom of the big black hole that my my bag had become. And I'd find my keys and by the time I got the door open, you know, I'd be sweating and throw the keys back in and the next, forget about it until the next time I was um, at the car or the door and it just happened over and over again. So I had found this bag that ha- allowed you to hang the the bag off the stroller handlebars and it had little organizer compartments in it. Um, so I thought it was you know a great idea. And I was sitting on the park bench and remember telling you that this is such a great bag. It, it really solves my issues of 
you know, dealing with trying to find my keys. But it also has certain things about it that I don't like. Like, I don't like the fact that everything falls to the bottom and, you know, you really still have to dig to find it. And I thought, if I were going to design a diaper bag, this is what I'd do. I'd do this and this and this. And it was a moment that a light bulb went off in my head and I just had this moment of deciding, you know what, I'm going to design my own diaper bag. Um, and it was a very clear decisive moment that was a coming together of the past years of trying to figure out what it was that I was going to do with my life. And somehow it just seemed to be something that made sense. And so from that moment, I determined that I was going to do this, even though I had no background, no idea what it takes to design a product or manufacture a product or anything at all. Um, and um, that was in 2004 that I had this idea. Can you tell us a little bit about the first product that you designed then? So this bag that I, did, that I ventured to design, um, I had no, like I said, no experience with ever designing anything. Um, so I recall that... Um, I thought, well, how does one describe what they want in a bag? And I remember taking sheets of uh, cardboard and cutting out sizes of, you know, what I think one side of the bag would look like and what I think the other side of the bag would look like. And at the time, I didn't even really understand that there was a huge difference between someone who makes bags and someone who makes clothes. And the only person I knew who could sew was um, someone I would I would go to to sew, um, you know, like a seamstress who she actually made adjustments to my wedding dress. And I went to her and I said, could you sew a bag together for me if I got you all the materials? And um, she said she would try. And so I recall that she actually worked with these paper patterns that I made and the fabric that I bought and the trims and all that stuff. Luckily, we lived in a neighborhood where that stuff was pretty readily available. So I could just go into a store and pick out all the things that I wanted for the bag. And um, the first bag that she made for me was pretty sad looking. However, it was the bones of what I had in terms of a vision in my head. And um, and from that point on, the other thing that I started to do as soon as I had this idea, which I think was um, the most important thing, is I started to talk to anyone and everyone who would listen about my idea. And that proved to be a really interesting exercise because, first of all, when you tell someone you're starting a business, everyone's excited for you. You know, everyone has these notions that they want to start a business and, you know, and somebody's actually doing it. So so I I would talk to someone or whoever I was talking to. And more often than not, they would say, oh, you know, my brother-in-law's partner or so-and-so that I know or my neighbor's wife or that kind of thing, you know, is in the business of and somewhat related to what I was trying to do. So every time that happened, I would do the ask. And I would say, do you think they'd be willing to talk to me? Um, and if so, like, would you mind like connecting us? And so it was really about me following up. And that was not that easy for me to do. It was really like on my part, something that I had to force myself to really just kind of push a little to get those connections and set up those meetings. But it became quite second nature. And 
uh, I talked to many people, some of whom were very helpful, and it became very apparent that uh, what I needed to do was to manufacture in China. And um, that came about after going through a round of making bags in the Chavanel district of Montreal, where I found a real bag maker who made me by hand, you know, a batch of 20 samples. Um, but after doing the math, the retail value um, of the bag would have been around $600 for a diaper bag. Right. So, so, so that wasn't going to work. No. And so, so then I started to explore what it was to manufacture in China, which was a whole new chapter. So, and tell us a little bit more about this bag, because this really wasn't the bag that established the business. It was kind of almost a, a learning process, wasn't it? Yeah. So basically, this bag that I designed, the design of it was based on um, the a photo I had seen of a bag that I liked aesthetically. Um, but aside from the aesthetics of the bag... What I really wanted for the bag to do was to address the problems that I found personally um, were most frustrating for me of using a regular bag instead of a diaper bag. So things like there should be no big black hole. Like You should be able to stick your hand in the bag and touch the bottom and know exactly where you're putting your hand because you don't have a lot of time. And, I, you know, I felt that it was really important to be organized and know you know, that you have everything with you. So I organized the compartments inside the bag to be um, shallow bottomed and um, the interior was contrasting so that the items that you put inside would show easily when you looked inside. It wasn't, you know, a black thing against a black background and you couldn't tell what was inside. Um, so that was one of the features. And then I also felt that it was important to have features such as an insulated uh, cooler compartment so that I could carry around the snacks and keep them cool. So the first diaper bag that I designed actually had a separate little cooler bag that was insulated. And then there was a front pocket because I really wanted to know where my wallet and my phone was. And so I designed a front pocket that was designed just for the mom to put her stuff. And, um, and all of this that you could easily just without looking where you were putting your hand. Um, if you had your baby in one arm, you could just put your hand where you needed it to go to find what you needed. So that was really one of your guiding principles and really has been for all of the subsequent so young products is to make something that you know had these functions and features that made parents life easier right um so tell us about the, the, how this bag sort of unfolded and, and and how you brought it to market so it took me four years from the time i had my idea to the time i actually had a product to sell that was um manufactured in china and um during that four years you know we had a second child and the process was very slow, but also there was a huge and steep learning curve um, in learning how to manufacture in China. And I had a pretty negative first experience with it. But when I finally, four years later, had my very first bag to sell, I remember thinking, okay, now the hard work is done. It's going to be easy to sell these bags. And what I found was, in actual fact, it was not in the least bit easy to sell the bags. 
So this was in 2008 and right before the market crash. So I think I started selling in May of 2008. And for the first few months, actually, I remember taking the bag, you know, and kind of peddling them at little boutiques, baby boutiques in the neighborhood. And it was actually fairly easy. I recall going in to see someone, the buyer in a store and showing them the bags and they would say, sure, we'll take six of them or sure, we'll take eight of them. And it seemed like, oh, this is no problem. And then in September of that year. That was the year that you know, the, the financial crisis hit, really. Yeah. Exactly. And everything crashed. And I recall that was the first year I actually went to walk the baby show in Vegas. So the North American baby show, um, All Baby and Child. And that show in 2008 was a ghost town. And I recall seeing all the people who were there with their products and um, the number of people walking the aisles versus the number of exhibitors uh, was far, far outweighed. There were way more people there showing their products than there were actually people buying. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a turning point. After that point, I could not get my bags in anywhere. Nobody would even look at them because nobody was spending any money. And the next kind of significant thing that happened after that was that I did a consumer show that was like a holiday kind of uh, trunk show in Toronto uh, where it was all for moms. And I remember being there and I'm selling my diaper bags and these $150 diaper bags and not getting a lot of response, um, feeling very discouraged and realizing that it's a lot easier to sell a $20 product than it is to sell a $150 product. And the woman behind me was selling these little chalkboard mats that were $20 and they were a perfect gift and she had a lineup of people. And I recall having the realization that, you know, buying a diaper bag is not a instantaneous decision. It is something that moms do after much research and, you know, weighing their options and, you know, they're not going to just come and spend 150 bucks just like that. It's a big decision for them. Yeah, exactly. And so I recall after the first night of that show, even though I felt very discouraged, there was a part of me that was saying, I need to expand this line and I need to expand the price uh, range and options that I offer for this line. And um, one thing that had been kind of sticking in my head was a lot of people really liked the little cooler bag that was included with the the diaper bag. And um, I personally used it as well. I would just toss it into other bags, you know, that we, we would take to the beach or whatever. And I found it very convenient. And I thought, you know, this might be really good as a standalone product. And I remember that night, I actually had a dream about lunchboxes. And I had a dream of seeing all these um, lunchboxes lined up on the wall behind me in a display. And I woke up with a similar feeling to that epiphany moment where I had said, I'm going to design a diaper bag. I had a moment where I said, I'm going to make lunchboxes. And that was kind of the next iteration of the business. Um, so I started to get working on that and what year is this now? So we were in 2000 and 
At the end of 2008 into 2009, I was feeling very discouraged about my diaper bag, the reception of my diaper bag by retailers and sales reps. And I had one sales rep who I had really, really was hoping she would take on my line to represent my product for me. And she was very kind, but she was also very direct. And I appreciate what she said to me. And so she took her time to study my product and she came back to me and said, I'm not gonna take your line and I'll tell you why. And she said, first of all, you don't have a line. You have one bag in two colors um, and that is not a line. Secondly, your bag is very particular. And it was, it was a bag that, you know, is not your typical diaper bag. It was made out of ultra suede and it, some people thought it was cute, but you know, it, was a, it wasn't a bag that was very um, universal. It was quite um, standalone, I would say, or unique in its design. And so, you know, she said to me, there's a lot of diaper bags out there but there aren't a lot of bags that are unisex. And I would take a look at that market and maybe, you know, try and see if you could develop something that is more unisex, because I think you'll have a better demand for that. And so I was disappointed and part of me thought about giving up, but I wasn't ready to give up. So I set about designing a unisex bag as well as pursuing the lunchbox route. And so those two things were happening at the same time. So basically towards the end of 2009 was when I received my first samples of both the lunchboxes, as well as I had done two versions of the lunchboxes, a little cooler bag and a lunchbox shape. And um, as well, the first samples of a unisex bag that I had designed also came around the same time. And so I booked an appointment with that same sales rep and said, you know, I just would like to show you what I've been working on. You know, will you will you take a look? And she said, sure. So I took the bag of stuff over to her and I remember sitting down with her and she pulled out the first lunchbox and she looked at it. And then she pulled out the second cooler bag and she looked at it. And then she pulled out the diaper bag. And the next thing she said was, if you decide to let me represent you. And the minute she said that, it was like this moment of, okay, this is totally, this is totally different. Right. Um, so you really, it really came down to having the right products at the, at the right time. And also just persevering and not giving up after your first product, which really didn't get the kind of traction that you'd hoped. Exactly. Now yeah. I think back on that first product and I think it was a really great kind of training introduction into this world. Um, and I think we still got some in the garage. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, we still. They, I just can't get rid of them. They're just. They still. I think. Oh, here's another one. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, certainly not what I expected or had anticipated, but I think necessary. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is the same story. Actually, Alyssa um, Kerbal of Mini Miyash said the same thing. You know, her first experience, she launched her line and really didn't get the kind of response that she wanted and just really had to had to rethink. So I think that's just a key point where you hear from almost every... There's, it's very rare for the first product to really just come screaming out of the gates. And it's often just a question of persevering and tweaking and changing yeah, your products or your business idea or your business model even 
um, until you until you find that sweet spot that really is going to work. So okay, so tell us what. So now you've got you've, you're at a point where you feel like okay, now we've got some products that that may have a market. So what? How did you how did you take them to market? How did you start um, selling them essentially? Well. One significant thing that happened very early on was, um, again, always through the power of contact. So I would say if there's one thing that my business, uh, the, the foundation of my business was networking and really making connections with people, being helpful and sharing information wherever I could. And, and it comes back to you. And so another woman that I was friends with who had her own line of children's products had told me about um, her products being featured on this blog in New York called Daily Candy. And so I reached out to her and I said, hey, would you be willing to share that contact? And she was like, absolutely. So she sent me the contact. And you know, without ever having written a press, press release or anything, I just reached out to the writer at Daily Candy and said, hi, you know, my name is Catherine Choi and I have this line of lunchboxes that I've just launched and here's a photo. And we'd taken some really good photos. We'd done a photo shoot and they, they just really represented the brand really well. And she immediately wrote back to me and said, has anyone else covered this? And I said, no. And so she launched um, a blog post about our product and it was February of 2010. And um, I don't recall another media hit having quite the same splash as this one. Well, Daily Candy was really big in that at, in, that, time. at that time. And yeah, so that and the market a- wasn't quite as saturated right. with that, those types of blogs. So they did a post and I recall that day seeing order after order after order after order just coming in and emails coming in saying, do you sell in Australia? Do you sell here? Do you so sell these were there? retailer orders, were they? Or were they were they, no, they or, yes, they were um, customer orders, customers, online orders. Right, yeah. and, um, and you know, at the time, I was doing everything, so working out of our living room. And so the UPS guy who would come to the door maybe once a week to pick up one or two packages, he came into my living room and he saw the stacks and stacks and stacks of boxes that were being picked up to go out, and he said what happened? (laughs) And um, that was actually a really um, turning point for me because I realized that there was potential for a product outside of Canada. Uh, I recognized early on that uh, Australia was a really mature market that was similar in taste to North America. Um, And I knew that I somehow had to get our products over there. And then we had people from big retail stores like West Elm reach out um, and say, we saw your products on Daily Candy. We would like to talk to you about selling them. Um, So that kind of attention really was a good sign. So I decided that I needed to start doing trade shows um, in the US. And so that July, I did my very first trade show in New York City, and it was a really positive experience. You know, we opened quite a few retail stores and the response was really good. And so from there, it was a small little show called Playtime, which is a really nice show. If you've never done a trade show before, it was a really nice way to be introduced to the trade show world. Um, And then um, six months after that, I did the Atlanta gift fair followed by the New York gift fair. And um, both of those shows really launched me into the U.S. market in a much bigger way. 
Great. And talk about the decision to sell to retail and also getting into distribution. How do you feel that's helped grow the business versus selling online? Well, I think a common mistake now i think it's a mistake it used to be a strategy that you know the the women that i used to network with a lot of them were similar to me moms who had ideas and all of us would conclude with i'm just going to sell online because of course everyone wants to sell online because you make the most money that way you don't have to uh deal with the whole trade show circuit and dealing with retailers and selling at wholesale and so but the truth is that is a very hard, if not impossible, thing to do uh, unless you have other structures in place to make that happen. Uh, you need to get exposure for your product. And what I found is that this is not something that can really happen if you're only online. You really have to have eyes on your product in many different places, uh, whether it be in media or on space shelves or um, in stores or, you know, right. wherever I mean, people need people, to see your product. Yeah, right. And also, I think when you're framing it uh, with, in, a, in a beautiful retail environment, it enhances the uh, the perception of the products in the if it's in the right environment, obviously. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, it was largely boutiques. Is that correct? Or yes, and and continues to be. I think our product is somewhere we try to place ourselves not as a uh, luxury, but it's certainly uh, a little more upscale than it's a your... premium product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the types of retailers who came to us were the kind of retailers who sold specialty products that were in that price range. Um, and then we started to get some interest from uh, categories that were outside of my original thinking, uh, such as natural grocer. We basically have a really engaged market in the natural grocer field. Um, and we started to sell at Whole Foods, which was um, really positive for us. So that is another avenue that we have found that we can open channels that way as well. Right. Great. Can we talk just a little bit about your your personal journey in terms of you know biggest areas of learning and personal development? What what do you feel like is, is probably your biggest area of growth and, and over the course of you know, the last eight years of launching and then growing the business? Um. Well, a couple things. I would have to say that believing in myself is something that has become necessary in order to continue pursuing this business. Um, I never really thought that even though, you know, you have these dreams, I have this dream that I'm going to make this product and it's going to, everyone's going to love it and it's just going to fly off the shelves and it's going to be so great. And, and I'm going to make millions of dollars. And, you know, that's, I think, a pretty common kind of vision that you have when you start something. But then you realize as you're in it that it doesn't work that way. Um, and uh, in actual fact, it's it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of challenges. Um, I had a very steep learning curve in pretty much every aspect of the business because I had just no experience with this. Um, and ultimately, when I look back, I probably have had multiple times where I've thought, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get past this one. 
And now I look back and it's a, just another blip on the radar, right? And so it really lets you see things in perspective. Like the only thing that I really need to just hang on to is this belief that I can do it. Like I'll figure it out or I'll find someone to help me figure it out and it's going to be okay. So that was the first thing. The second thing is um, that this is really hard work. It's not, it's not something that in my experience uh, came naturally to me and every day I'm challenged with one thing or another that makes me kind of want to run under a rock and hide. But, you know, every day it's like, okay, let's do this. Right. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out? Maybe they aspire to, to build, uh, you know, a sustainable brand, but they're just either getting started or really in those early phases of the business. Well, I would say talk to people, talk to everyone, talk to anyone you can. Um, and join networking groups if you can, if you can find some in your area. Um, be of service to people and you will make those connections. It will happen. And, you know, despite everything, I mean, I think it's often said, if I knew what I was getting myself into, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done this. I mean, jokingly, I may say that because if I knew what lay ahead of me, you know, it really, there have been times where it's been very challenging, but I would say that I know that moment when I decided that I was going to do this. It was a moment of determination. And I think that anyone who wants to do something that they're determined to do, I wouldn't let the fear or, you know, oh, I can't do that. Stop me. If that's really, if it's something that's a burning desire, I think that there is a way and that, that one should pursue it. Right. And that that need to stretch yourself and really face your fears. I mean, that's where the biggest growth comes from. That's where the biggest sense of satisfaction comes from, uh, even if it's not always easy. Uh, that's what it's all about, really. It's it's about overcoming your personal uh, limiting beliefs and uh, using uh, a business as kind of a vehicle in order to do that. So, well, great, um, uh, great insights and, and thank you. And it's really been, you know, it's been a pleasure for me over the years uh, to watch you really grow into this. And in the beginning, I was the one actually running a business. Uh, which I uh, since wound down in order to join So Young. And it's just been uh, a pleasure. And I'm grateful that we've uh, we've had this opportunity now to work together in terms of growing the business. And uh, I hope your, your story is really inspiring for anyone else who really doesn't know where to start, has no background, no experience. Catherine is someone who really was starting from zero when she when she decided to launch the business and just had that idea and has persevered and it's been you know nearly 10 years now since the original idea and four years really of, of just kind of trying to get the first product out the door but um, um, really great story and thanks so much uh, for sharing it with us Catherine you're welcome for more insights on building a seven-figure product brand including free downloadable training material visit IndieBrandBuilder.com.